Welcome to College Q&A. I'm Justin Myrick, and I'm happy you're listening in. Today's topic, we'll discuss in just a minute. How about a little intro music first? All right, we are live with our newest episode. The question, how can I know if I'm going to heaven? This question is one that I believe many people seek the answer to, and sadly, many do not discover the truth. And others who are believers, children of God, are often confused on their relationship with God and lack confidence of where they will go when they die. Why is that? When I was a teenager, my family often went on vacation to Panama City Beach, Florida. Now, I'm not sure what it's like now, but at the time, in the late 90s, there was one street to get you anywhere. So you would likely take an hour drive just to get to a restaurant one mile away. Needless to say, we soon started taking vacations elsewhere. But one year, me and my nephew Justin, who was about five years younger than me, saw two super tall towers with a bungee cord attached to each one, which connected down to a two-seat bucket. It was called See Ya. And the idea was that two people would get locked down on the ground in the two-seat bucket while the two bungee cords stretched up the towers and then click, see ya. Well, Justin and I were preparing to hop on for our turn. They were buckling us in and one of the workers looked at me and asked, hey, serious question. If you were to die today, what percentage chance would you have of going to heaven? Oh, how I love this question. And I'm grateful for the conversations that have happened through it. I know when I talk to students and ask them this question, I often get a variety of answers, anything from 5% to 99%. And I'm always intrigued to learn their reason for the percentage. Rarely does someone respond with 100%. Now what gets my attention is that the majority of people here in this context come to realize they do in fact know God and will go to heaven. And some come to realize that they cannot have that same confidence. So where is the gap? What's the truth? This is why this question matters. It gives non-Christians an opportunity to know how they can have eternal life and go to heaven. And it also gives Christians an opportunity to gain assurance of their salvation. So I'm grateful we have the opportunity to explore this question. And I'm also grateful for our guest in this episode, co-pastor of Hello Church, BCM campus minister, my friend Brad Branham. Very early on in my friendship with Brad, I realized how passionate he was about the gospel, and I'm excited for us to listen in to his wisdom when it comes to answering this question. Here's what Brad had to say. Thanks so much, Justin, man. Uh, I'm I'm glad to finally be a part of the podcast, man. Uh, These things have been a great encouragement to a lot of people, and uh, I get the opportunity today too, man. I appreciate you for this. Is Man, I get to speak on a topic for which I'm very passionate. Uh, How do we uh, know that we have everlasting life? How do we get to go to heaven? Uh, You know, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, it says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So we can know that we have eternal life. And wouldn't you want to know that? You know, first of all, we've got to recognize that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. The Bible says 
Uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's some bad news. Some additional bad news. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That doesn't simply mean that we're going to die. Uh, that means that the second death, that refers actually to hell. And I don't have to tell any of your listeners that, man, that's not a place that we want to go. And so what do we do about that? Well, here's some great news, man. The Bible says God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, came to this earth, took on flesh, and was born of a virgin, and lived a sinless life. And then he went to the cross, and he shed his precious blood there, because the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And he died in our place, sacrificially. Uh, he, the Bible says, is a propitiation. In other words, he is a satisfactory sacrifice for our sins. So Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died on the cross for my personal sin debt, was buried and raised again to life. And he offers the free gift of everlasting life to anyone who would trust in him and him alone for it. I, I put it this way. Uh, you got to have the right object of your faith and you have to have the right objective of your faith. So the right object, obviously, is Jesus. You know, faith doesn't have any intrinsic value in and of itself. Uh, it's not the size. It's not the quality. It's not the quantity of our faith that matters when it comes to salvation. It's the object in whom we put our faith. That is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 6, uh, verse 47, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. So he's saying this most assuredly. Do you think he's just throwing that out there? And remember, this is Jesus talking. Can Jesus make a mistake? Absolutely not. Can Jesus lie? Definitely no. So when he says most assuredly, I, and I love that that's the next word, I, because it, it brings all of the weight and authority of God in human flesh. So there's no arguing with him here. Don't you know if Jesus said it, and it disagrees with your favorite radio preacher, I mean, you can throw your favorite radio preacher's opinion out the window because what Jesus says is what matters. So Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, so there's the object, he who believes in me has everlasting life. So you have it as a present reality. You have everlasting life. And so here's uh, the, the thing is, is, is the right object and then the right objective. That is that we might have everlasting life. See, a lot of people want to put their faith in Jesus to save them, but then they think they have to keep themselves saved by their good works. But here's the question. If I have everlasting life as a present reality and I have it right now today, well, what is it tomorrow? Well, tomorrow, wouldn't it still be everlasting life? What about next week? Wouldn't it also still be everlasting life? And what would it be 100 years from now? Well, it would still be everlasting life. So when you put your faith in Jesus, the Son of God, who shed his blood and died on the cross for your personal sin debt, 
and offers everlasting life to anyone who would trust in him and him alone for it, you will go to heaven. I'm grateful for Brad's clarity in answering this question. I love how he shares 1 John 5.13, which makes it clear that it is possible to know if we're going to heaven. So the Bible clearly claims you can know. He also shared so much scripture with us just now, and honestly, that's the answer. The answer to our question for this episode has to be found in the Bible. And in nearly all of my conversations that come from that question, what percentage chance do you have of going to heaven? We usually end up in Romans 6.23. That sentence of the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, probably because I see so many confused on this, my favorite follow-up question is, what's the difference between a wage and a gift? Here's the thing. A lack of 100% assurance does not reveal whether or not someone knows God or does not know God. Everyone can have doubts. But what it does reveal is that they are confused on the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Let me explain. If someone says, I'm 80% sure I'm going to heaven. Okay, what's the 20% holding you back? Here's the thing. Every time, it's either something this individual is doing or not doing that causes them to say that. But this is where it gets so interesting. And by interesting, I mean I love to watch them wrestle with God's word. Because we look at Romans 6.23 and I ask them sincerely, Okay, so by your own admission, if you did this more or that less, then you would be 100%? Okay, then be honest with me. If that's true, if it takes you doing more of this or less of that, is that base in your going to heaven on a wage or a gift? Then the pause, then the processing, then the wrestling with the living and active word of God. And I love to watch God's word do its work because they start to be honest and see the wisdom of scripture. God is not offering us eternal life as a wage. This is not something we can earn, neither by doing certain things or not doing others. It is truly a gift. I remember a young man, JT, that I ran into one day on campus. We got to talking and it ended up in this exact conversation. It's one of my favorite memories of my time on campus. I watched this young man realize that salvation was truly a gift given by God freely in Jesus. He realized he had in fact accepted the gift, but there were things in his life he knew God wasn't pleased with, and it was throwing doubt in his mind. To see the joy in this man when he realized that he was 100% sure he was going to heaven was just amazing. And I asked him, okay, JT, you think you might sin at some point after this talk? To which he responded, yeah, I'm afraid so. Then I said, well, when you do, what do you think will happen to your percentage? And he paused and thought seriously about it and then said, and looking at me almost like, I'm pretty sure I got this, but is it too good to be true? He said, it doesn't change. That's exactly right, JT. You've accepted the gift of life in Jesus, and it is not based on your actions. It is truly a gift, freely given. This is such an amazing truth in Scripture. It truly is the gospel. It's good news. 
but for many, it's hard to accept salvation as a gift. We feel the need to earn everything, yet according to Jesus, it's whoever believes in me. Brad also mentioned faith, and I like how he pointed out that what, or rather, who you put your faith in is what matters. Faith can sound great by itself, and by the way, it's culturally acceptable, but faith in who and faith in what? He referenced John 6.47 and said it's the object in which we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's most important. The who is Jesus. The what is God's word that points us to Jesus. So certainly, if you're curious about where you're going when you die, if you are in any way unsure, you have to honestly look at Romans 6.23 and answer the question, have I accepted the gift of life? In Jesus. If you've done that, you've believed in him, then as we've already heard in 1 John 5 13, I've written these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. I would encourage you, memorize 1 John 5 13 and John 5 24, Romans 6 23, and Ephesians 2 8 and 9. In fact, one reason many believers begin to doubt their salvation is because they don't have the truth of God's word to combat the lies the enemy is throwing into our minds. Think about it. Satan is the tempter and the accuser. He can tempt you with a sin, lure you in by making it seem good, and certainly try his best to have you not think about consequences of that sin. And then, when you fall to that temptation, what's his response? It's to accuse, then to lie. Let's be honest. Have you ever had the thought enter your mind, look at what you just did. Do you really know God? How could someone who knows God do that? Now, we've talked about the mind filter in a previous episode. Episode 2, it was. But it's important to mention here, because without the filter of God's word, we start buying into the lies. So many people I've talked with that have truly accepted the gift of God freely, but after time, and as things entered their life that they knew were wrong and other things faded away that they really wanted in place, they began to buy the lies. What's amazing about God's word is that it actually instructs us that even in the reality of a person's sadness and recognition of what's broken in their life, that is actually given testimony to their relationship with God. Remember Paul talking about the battle between flesh and spirit? It's woven throughout scripture which I believe is so important for our assurance of salvation. I will wrestle with my flesh until the day I die or the day Jesus comes back, whichever comes first. And that doesn't cause me to doubt salvation. It actually, because God's word is helping me filter thoughts that are running through my mind, it does the opposite. It reassures me that it's all true. The gospel is real and Jesus is who he says he is. It's why I've never understood why people can look at someone else's life and see them failing and then make a claim like, oh, they must not be a believer. Really? I think of Hebrews 12.1, which says in part, let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Here's a question. Is it possible for a believer in Christ to sin? Well, we know according to that verse and others, that not only is it possible, but even from that Hebrews 12.1, the implication is it's actually easy to get caught up and entangled in sin. 
Well, here's another question. Is it possible for a believer to struggle with the same sin? And is it possible for that struggle to last a while, possibly even a lifetime? I would say yes. I would say that scriptures and the implication of these verses we've looked at even here, yes. Now, of course, it's worth mentioning that that's not God's design that we do that. Remember, Jesus said in John 10.10 that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, you're not going to have life to the full while trapped by sin, but you will have a relationship with God. And to go back to Hebrews 12.1, what's the command given based on that truth that, it, that it's so easy to get trapped by sin? Well, we throw it off. We deal with the sin. And we can talk about that more in another episode, Wrestling with Sin. But for the answer to this episode's question, I'm going to go with God's word, which says plainly in 1 John, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. And for the one who has not believed in Jesus, who does not have the Son, the gift is waiting for you to receive. All you have to do is believe on the name of Jesus. For the one who has received the gift, but wrestling with assurance of salvation, go to the scriptures and allow those truths of God's word to combat any lies the enemy is throwing in your mind. I'm so grateful that life with God is not earned, that knowing him is only through Jesus. I'm so grateful that all those many years ago, while me and my nephew Justin were sitting in that bucket about to be shot from the earth, I was able to say with confidence, I'm 100% sure I'm going to heaven. And my confidence then and my confidence now is not in me and my actions, but rather in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And according to Romans and many other verses, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. I want to encourage you to consider sharing this episode with someone you know that may not be certain where they stand with God. Maybe they are unsure about where they will go when they die. Give them the opportunity to listen in, to hear truth, and then follow up with them. See if they have any questions and listen to what God may be doing in their life. I want to thank you all for joining in on today's episode. If you are enjoying the podcast, I want to encourage you to subscribe today. We've got more episodes lined up, and I'm excited to get those out to you. By subscribing, you'll get notifications when a new episode hits. And I want to invite you to keep asking questions. Let's keep these discussions going. It's needed, and it's healthy. Until next time, I'm Justin Myrick encouraging us all to stay connected to church, connected to each other, and most importantly, connected to the God we love and serve. God bless.